2020, episode 168. Have 2020 Vision with Eye on 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. What's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here, your host of Ion 2020, that place that you come to Monday through Friday for the news, the events, all the things that go on in this crazy 2020 election. I appreciate you coming out and joining me for another week in the life of this presidential election primary that we have going on for the Democrats, the week in the life of all the other stuff that's going on in the news, related events that might affect your life with regards to this 2020 election. I appreciate you joining me, all those that continue to come out listening every single day. I appreciate it. Listenership continues to go up, and that is amazing. Very appreciative of that, that you continue to tune in every single day. If it's your first time listening, that's phenomenal as well. Go ahead and subscribe to the show so you can hear it again tomorrow. And, uh, if you've been listening for a while, you haven't given me a five-star rating and review yet, hey, man, I'd appreciate it if you would. But uh, you don't have to, but I, mean, I certainly would appreciate it if you do. Okay, guys? But lots going on this weekend. I was a little bit uh, with this G7 summit and stuff. I've been keeping my eyes slightly on the news, but you guys know how I feel about watching the news constantly. It just drives me crazy, and sometimes I can't do it. But I was checking out the news and just kind of seeing what was going on with this G7 summit right now. It's over there in France, and uh, Donald Trump went out there. Over the weekend, <clears throat> the news was kind of building it up and stuff, and he kind of made mention of it that says that the news was making it sound like all these other le- political leaders over there were going to be worried about dealing with him and stuff, and he said that everything's going good. I'm sure there's a little bit of uh, propaganda going on there, actually on both sides, I'm sure, you know, because everyone has their particular way they're they're going to try to frame this stuff obviously donald trump wants to make it sound like it's everything's going hunky-dory for him over there and obviously the the press seems like they've been beating him up a lot obviously you guys know that they're going to have their particular side of the story as well and they're just trying to get people to watch the news and negative news sells so they're going to continue to make it sound like everything's terrible for what's going on over there but he did bring it upon himself in some ways because of the fact that you know right before he left for this thing he he was uh, talk, or they were talking about tariffs or something like that. But I think he ended up backing down a little bit on some of these Chinese tariffs. And then all of a sudden, I think it was like Wednesday or Thursday, China decides that they're going to throw like tariffs on $275 billion worth of American goods or something like that. And that was that kind of like sent the stock market tumbling for a couple of days. And then Donald Trump came back and said, you know what? If they're going to do that, we're going to do that too. And then he said that he was... I mean, there was a lot of controversy going on saying that he was kind of regret... The the news was trying to make it sound like he was regretting starting this little trade war thing. And then the he, he ended up saying, well, no, it wasn't that I regret it. I regret not starting it sooner and making it harder on them and so forth. And he just doesn't like to back down. You guys know that. But it it got me really worried over the weekend. I don't know why. Every so often, about once a year or so, I get really negative on things and I start getting uh, 
getting freaked out over certain things that are going on in the economy and stuff. And over the weekend, I started to think about that. And it just got me really, really nervous. That's all. So, uh, so I ended up, that's what I'm going to be talking about today is my nerve wracking weekend. Just thinking about all the stuff that can happen in the economy and stuff. Cause I don't know about you, but I have a lot to lose if the, if the economy tanks, you know, um, not that I'm rich by any means, but I mean, you know, you, you, you work your whole life trying to put together investments and stuff like that. And if the economy starts to tank, obviously you need to be set, setting yourself up for success to make sure that you don't lose everything that you have, you know? And, uh, to me, that's when I start to freak out. And with the way that he has been dealing with the economy, I mean, the tax cuts really did help out. Obviously, I think the tax cuts helped out the economy quite a bit. Obviously, just put that money into debt, though, because there was they weren't paid for. So you cut the you cut the taxes on people with the hopes that somehow with this Laffer curve idea that if you cut the taxes, it'll help to boost the economy, which will then spur more economic growth, which will in turn bring in more revenue for the government. That doesn't seem to be happening. And it might happen over time. That's probably just takes more and more time to make that happen. But uh, then you have all the uncertainty that's going on in the markets because of the fact that Donald Trump keeps putting on tariffs here, tariffs there, and then China does the same thing. So they get back and forth a tit-for-tat thing going on. And the next thing you know, we're looking at a situation where there's so much uncertainty in the markets that nobody's willing to invest anything. Nobody's willing to put their money anywhere. No businesses are willing to make capital investments. And then that starts to slow the economic growth. Next thing you know, businesses and stocks and stuff like that start going down. And, uh, and then your 401ks start going down and so forth. So that, that's been my biggest concern. That's been my thing that I've been freaking out about over the weekend. But then somebody helped me to kind of see it in a different light when I posted something on one of the Facebook groups that I'm a member of. But um, let's not get into that too far yet. The first thing that I wanted to say, though, the first thing I really wanted to talk about over the weekend was, um, and it probably doesn't mean anything, to be honest with you, but you know how um, the, the, the former governor of uh, Massachusetts, Bill Weld, he was also the libertarian vice presidential nominee with Gary Johnson back in 2016. You know, he got into the race back in 2000, or back in uh, April, saying that he was going to run against Donald Trump. And no one really took him seriously. You don't really see too much, so much going on in a serious way with his campaign. Like, I don't even think he's getting in on TV that much. He's not really putting up a very good fight. Um, I'm not sure that he's raising very much money or anything like that. And now you're seeing another person over the weekend. That was Joe Walsh. And he was a, in 2010, he was elected to be a congressperson in that little Tea Party wave that happened in 2010, where a lot of people came in into Congress, he ended up getting one term and then was kind of then then was not booted out, but you know he he lost, and then he ended up becoming like a radio show host or something. I've never heard his show. I'm not. I don't even know who the guy is honestly until until he announced this over the like over the last week or so. They've been kind of hearing him toying about toying with the idea, and. He's saying that, you know, Donald Trump is a liar, a cheater and all that. And, you know, he doesn't listen to the CIA and the FBI over listening to Vladimir Putin. And that's why he's wanting to get into this race and all that. Um, obviously, he's not going to be a strong contender. I mean, 
88% of people that are Republicans support Donald Trump and want him to get reelected. He has like very high approval ratings for somebody who is a president right now, right? And for his base, they love the guy. I mean, 88% of Republicans are okay with Donald Trump. So in that sense, he's secure. When these people are start coming up with this idea that they're going to run against Donald Trump, I think it's more for publicity than anything else because you're not going to be able to primary a sitting president. I don't even think, to be honest with you guys, I don't even think there's going to be any primaries in any of the states. Like I don't think the Republican, the Republican Party on any of the state level are going to be holding primaries so that someone can run against Donald Trump. That's that, So when they go to... Like the convention next, I think it's like next May or so, there's a convention for the Republican National Convention that's going to be in Charlotte, North Carolina. Donald Trump's going to walk in there already christened, already ready to go. He's going to be their guy because they're not going to be running primaries like the Democrats are. The reason why the Democrats are in primaries is to get that hype going and stuff. I mean, they already know who their chosen candidate's going to be, probably. I mean, they'll go a little bit one way or the other, and they'll kind of go with the person that kind of leads the pack. But if it's going to be, you know, Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden, I'm pretty sure they're going to push Joe Biden into the into the race just because he's the more electable candidate against Donald Trump in that way, and he's the one that's a little bit more safe. So the Democratic National Committee is going to make sure that he's the one that gets the nomination. But uh, Republicans aren't even doing anything like that. So Joe Walsh getting in there, it's just for publicity. I mean, same thing with Bill Weld, just for publicity, just so that they can keep on going and talking about Donald Trump or whatever. And Donald Trump has his flaws and so forth, but the Republicans love him, and there's no way that someone's going to be able to run against him. Now, he has been getting beat up lately. There have been challenges, even like... In my mind, I think to myself, "Holy cow! If they don't, if he doesn't stop all these trade wars and stuff, and start keep on, you know, stirring up the pot and not allowing for a little bit of secure, not security, but a little bit of uh, the, uh, you know, less 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 of the whole thing that he does with stirring up the pot. Right? He's always trying to stir up the pot, and there's no certainty in the markets." Every time you turn around, every week there's a new thing that he's talking about with a trade war with this or adding, you know, something adding tariffs on this country or you know now he's talking like France putting tariffs on wine and then France is going to retaliate. You know, it's like you never know what's going to happen and you need certainty in the markets in order to allow things to happen. So um, even for me, sometimes I just think to myself, "Holy cow, this guy, you know, he needs to get beat because of that." But um, like I said, I, I, I mean, like you guys know, I don't typically vote or anything like that. And I wouldn't push for a Democrat by any means because I know in that world that things might even be worse and worse than they are now in that way. If you got like a Bernie Sanders or something like that. So I don't know. I just, I, I get to thinking about that stuff. And that's what I was thinking about a lot this weekend as well is, um, is holy cow. If there's not some certainty in the market, so there's not some certainty going forward, we have a pretty strong economy. You can call it the Trump economy if you want to. You can call it the Barack Obama economy that Trump is starting to work for, towards now as well. If you're a Democrat, that's what you say. Oh, yeah, Donald Trump is just riding on the coattails of Barack Obama's economy. And then if you're a Republican, you're saying, oh, look at how great things are now that Donald Trump is the president. Whatever you say, it's a pretty strong economy with low unemployment and so forth. And you want to get to a point where 
businesses will continue to make capital investments. Businesses will continue to do what they do, which is create jobs, create products, create um, create value for people around them, right? With, with the people that buy their products. That's what you want. And these companies, they're not going to make the capital investments that they want to make. They're going to sit on the sidelines. They're going to keep all that money on the sidelines until they know that there's some certainty. I'm just not sure I understand why. I don't understand why Donald Trump is not just realizing that. And that's what kind of, what that's that's pretty much what I was thinking about all weekend. And it's just, I mean, it had my mind blowing. Man. I mean, I was just, my mind was just going into crazy different places, you know, because uh, I am not one typically who gets involved in all this political mumbo jumbo. I, I mean, I follow all this stuff and I care about what's going on so that I could put together this podcast and I care about the direction that the country would go under a different, you know, under different presidents and so forth. Obviously I'm a libertarian. So I've been talking about the idea of changing the culture and getting people to start thinking about the way that they look at their country and what they demand from their government. Because I think people demand way too much of their government right now. People need to look at themselves, look at their communities, look at their families and start making decisions based upon that rather than looking for the government to take care of them. Because I think that that's what people are doing now, is they're looking to the federal government to continue to take care of people and take care of other people, because that's just the culture that we live in now. And I think that's what we need to change. We need to start changing that culture. But in this, I mean, the what I was thinking is just over the weekend, it was just, you know, what if he, what if he continues to stir up the pot every single week, day in and day out, I think that you would start to see the economy start to fall apart because of that, because of the lack of capital investment. So uh, maybe there's people on that, that side that are going to start getting into this guy's head and start saying, you know what, we need, to, we need to take a step back and stop doing all the things that you're doing. Or maybe he's just hard-headed, I don't know. I think, Or maybe there's a strategy behind it. I don't know. I mean, everyone says maybe he's playing a game of 3D chess with these people and all that. But how long until you've taken it too far? That's what I'm. That's what I wonder. I wonder if you guys think about that as well. You can actually email me if you wanted to and let me know what you think about it. Because I was, my brain over the weekend was just going crazy over this idea, and uh, because that, there's a lot that we can lose. You know, I mean, if you lost your job, what would happen? If you lost everything that you invested, not all of it, because obviously if the, if like the Dow Jones and the, and the S&P 500 went down by like 30%, that's not devastating by any means. I mean, I, I actually lived through 2008, you know, the 2000, the, the great recession is what they called it. And I didn't think it was absolutely too terrible. You know, I mean, I lost a lot on the home value that I had and stuff, but when we survived and everything, we weren't starving on the streets by any means. So um, if there is a small downturn, big whoop. And that's, like, that's actually what it came down to when I started to, um, I, I reached out to people in, a, in one of the Facebook pages that I, that I'm a member of. It's like a secret group. And I just asked some people some, you know, what they thought about it. And, uh, one of them made me realize that, you know what, things aren't as bad as they, as they sound like they are. Um, even if things did get really bad, look where we were as a country, as a, as a, human population a hundred years ago, you know? And, uh, I mean, things are way better than they've ever been on earth pretty much. So there's nothing that should make you get that scared. And 
yeah, I just needed somebody to kind of comfort my mind in that way, you know? So, I mean, that I was, I watched a video that this person kind of said on YouTube and it just made you realize, yeah, things are pretty damn good in the world. And if it, if the economy goes down by, you know, 20, 30% or if things, you know, if there's that much instability and stuff, then it's not really that big of a deal. So, um, it kind of put my mind at ease. So, so that, that's how I was feeling over the weekend. But, um, what I want, so that's that's pretty much what I want to talk about today. But the way that I wanted to bring this to you guys as a conversation is like this: the trade wars that he has going on. Trade wars, economists know that free trade is good. It's, it's, it's something called um, comparative advantage, and comparative advantage is the idea that one country or one group might have an advantage over another group in producing a product. So what you should do is allow them to produce their product they're really good at producing and us to produce our product that we're very good at producing because we have a comparative advantage on one thing and they have a comparative advantage on the other thing and then we both win. Because, for example, this is like the, this is the basic economics version of comparative advantage. They'll say this. Florida you can grow oranges pretty darn well, right? So if it takes 100 people to grow 1,000 oranges in Florida, how many people would it take to grow 1,000 oranges in Washington State? It might take 200 people or 300 people, or it might be very expensive because in Washington State, it's cold. You don't have the sun like you do in Florida. So in Washington State, they'd have to grow, they'd have to build greenhouses. They'd have to, you know, mimic the same environment that you have in Florida, somehow with the greenhouses during the winter time, it gets really cold. So you might have to heat those greenhouses. It's going to be very expensive to grow a thousand oranges in Florida. Same thing goes for apples. Washington state, they grow apples very well. That's what they're known for They're You know, they grow great apples. So if you go to Washington state, it would be very easy for you to grow a bunch of apples. But in Florida, it's very hard to grow an apple tree. I know this because I lived there and so what happens is Washington state has a comparative advantage over Florida on growing apples and orange and Florida has the comparative advantage on Washington state on growing oranges. So let Floridians grow oranges, let Washingtonians grow apples, and then we all win because we're able to produce more oranges and more apples with the lowest amount of money possible. So Getting it to the international stage, China has a comparative advantage over the United States on low-cost labor, on the ability to do the manufacturing of small items and different items and so forth that they do. So if they have a comparative advantage over us, why would we not allow them to manufacture our stuff at a very cheap rate so that we can get that stuff at a very cheap rate as well? So... But what, what the president says is we need to punish China for years of unfair trading practices. They're producing products that are cheap and is causing businesses in America to leave and produce products over there. And he says they've been stealing American money. That's the way that he's trying to frame it, is that they're trying to steal American money. But I, and my, the, what I was thinking about this was that I'm unsure that lower-priced goods being shipped to America is a bad thing. I think it's actually a good thing that we have lower-priced goods being shipped to America because of the fact that they have the comparative advantage. It allows us to kind of 
focus on what we do best and allows them to focus on what they do better. And then we all win in that way. But there is some pain that goes along with that, guys. There is. I mean, there's the growing pains. When a factory leaves a town, there's going to be there's going to be the emotional feeling of, hey, look at all these people that lost their jobs, right? And that's what we have to, that's what we are concerned about, obviously. And that's what Donald Trump is playing on with this whole trade war thing, is that people are going to have some, a little pain during that time when things are changing. But overall, in the long term, in the macro side of it, you're going to be better off when they have the comparative advantage on what they do, we have the comparative advantage on what we do, and let's do what we do best. And let, let's let everyone do what they do best, right? So they're doing what they do best, we do what we do best, and we all win in that way. I mean, they, I've heard, I think it was Tom Woods that says this one. He says, I mean, what if you went someplace, you, you landed on a planet, and somehow they just had a transportation system that would take you anywhere you want to go in one, you know, in one second. So you had, never had to worry about transportation at all, right? Would you land on that planet and say, well, crap, if transportation is all taken care of, there's going to be less jobs for us. And then you would just fly away and say, screw that. We're going to find another planet that doesn't have transportation taken care of. Somehow, some miraculous way that transportation we had taken care of, that all transportation services we be taken care of, there would be no need for it on that planet. No, you would land on that planet and you'd be very happy that there was transportation. You never have to worry about it again. You know, so if you had a country like China that was sending us everything for free, like let's say they said, okay, we're going to start sending cars to America for free. Yeah, it's going to put business, it's going to put American business, car business manufacturers out of business for a period of time. But you would never have to buy a car. Nobody in America would have to buy a car. So then Americans would stop looking to make cars, stop looking to manufacture cars, and they would start looking to manufacture other things because they have the comparative advantage. That's what they do. Would we tell them, no, you can't send cars here for free? Because free is good. I mean, you would have, you would have, never have to worry about having a car again in that way. And uh, I just think in that world, in that world, the, the cheaper the products you can get from China, the better. And I just, but the way that Donald Trump is playing on this idea is he's using that emotional feeling that you would get that there's a human cost associated with those cheap products from China, that they're stealing our jobs, that they're sending the cheap manufacturing over there, so it's making the manufacturers over here go out of business. But all that stuff has already happened in the 80s and 90s. All that stuff has gone away. A lot of that manufacturing is gone. Now, you do start seeing some of these manufacturers coming back into America because there's cheaper ways to manufacture products. Now, I think it's happening in like the textile industry where you see a lot of the synthetic textile manufacturers, they're starting to bring their operations back over here because they can do it with very low labor costs because there's not a lot of labor that's involved in it. There's a lot of machines that are doing that stuff now. And technology has kind of brought those manufacturers back to America because of that. But there still is a comparative advantage on the labor over there, which allows them to be able to produce the products way more cheaper than they can over here. So um, I just think that I, I, I've, I'm against the idea of the tariffs. I don't think I could change my mind on that. That's an economic thing that uh, all it is is if they put a tariff on the products that are coming into America, that means you and I, by buying those products, are paying that tariff, right? And I think that that is something that just had me a little bit worried that, yeah, China actually went ahead 
and added the tariffs before Donald Trump did this time. So are they trying to escalate as well? That's what got me a little bit freaked out. So, um, but like I said, when I was, when I wrote all that up onto one of the websites that I, one of the Facebook pages I'm a member of, I just kind of wrote a lot of my thoughts down on that. And one of the guys said, you know, look at this particular web, this particular YouTube video. So I looked at this particular YouTube video and the guy made the point. It was, I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but, or what the YouTube video was. I'd have to look it up. I might put it in the show notes if I can, but what ended up happening was it just made me think to myself, yeah, if you look at the way that the world was for until about 1900, you had, I mean, the things that we have today would be a miracle when someone looks at it from 1900, we're flying around in airplanes now. You can go from one side of the world to the other, you know, in, in, in a couple hours, not a couple hours, but, you know, within like a day or so, you can go from one side of the world to the other in an airplane. We're in space. Um, we have cell phones. We have laptop computers. Like, they would look at us as as miracle workers if somebody who lived in 1900 came to today. So, I mean, and before that, I mean, the entire world from about 1800 back, pretty much everything was the same. You rode on horses to get anywhere. So things are damn good now. And a little bit of a slowdown, a little bit of that is not going to affect our kids that much. And it just got me thinking to myself, okay, let's not over, over, you know, overthink this thing. Let, let me not sit there and get freaked out over the fact that there might be a little bit of a trade war or whatever, and it might affect things. Um, we've had things pretty darn good in America for a long time. We want them to keep getting better. We do. And the leaders, especially like someone like Donald Trump, who is an interventionist in the economy, can really either do some damage or do some good in that way. And hopefully he will manage to do some good I don't know. It just freaked me out, guys. So that's what I wanted to talk about today. I'm sorry that I was babbling on and on. I just, um, sometimes you just have to let your thoughts out, you know? You do. And uh, that's what I wanted to do today and let you guys know how I felt about this whole trade war thing because I think that is a bad thing, but you know what? Don't let it affect your mind too much because overall, overall, if you live right, if you don't overspend, and if you continue to save money, You'll probably be doing pretty damn good in the next 5, 10, 15, and 30 years, okay? So keep on doing what you're doing. Keep, keep your mind, you know, focused on the one thing, which is this. Focus on bringing liberty to other people, bringing a mindset of liberty to other people so that they will then in turn pass that libertarian mindset onto other people as well, okay? And if we continue to do that, we'll start changing the culture that we live in. We'll start changing people's hearts and minds towards looking at the government and saying, you know what, there is a little bit of distrust that I have in the government, and maybe we should just look to ourselves and to our families and to our communities to take care of our needs rather than the federal government. We need to change the relationship that we have with the federal government, and then at that point, when we start thinking like that as a nation, when we start thinking like that, then those candidates will start having to start pander to us because we demand the fact that they say, no, we're going to limit the government. So we're going to look for leaders, look for politicians that will talk about limiting government rather than expanding government. Right now we have people that are talking about expanding government. But if we could change the culture, we can start getting people to think about the idea of limiting government. 
And the more limited government we, that we have, the more freedom we'll have, which will mean the economy and our lives will be better. And that's all I got for you guys today. So keep on coming back every day and uh, keep on listening to the show. I hope that, uh, hope that you're getting something out of this every single day. I know that I am. And that's why I continue to do it, because it really does help me to put together my thoughts and my feelings about these candidates and their positions and so forth, and about the country as a whole that we live in, okay? So... Um, I appreciate you. If you want to go ahead and follow me, IonTheEmpire.com. You can also like look up I on the Empire on Facebook and Twitter. You can find me there. And if, if you want to support the show, anchor.fm slash Ion2020. And there you can make a support level. I have nine or a, a 99 cent support level, also at $2.99 and a, or a $4.99 and a $9.99 support level. So go ahead and if you want to support the show, you can do that there. And uh, come on back tomorrow and you will have clear vision for 2020. Hey guys, I'm excited to announce the new podcast I'm coming out with called First Year in Sales with Ray Eaton. Now, if you're not a salesperson, then it might not be for you, but if you are a salesperson or if you know another salesperson, go ahead and direct them towards this show. It's going to be a show that is based upon helping somebody that's in their first year in sales or maybe even somebody that is in sales already and just wants to brush up on some of the sales skills that they need in order to be successful. I'm focusing on habits and also different parts of the sales process in order to help people to become more successful in their sales job. So like I said, if you know somebody that's in sales or if you yourself are in sales, go ahead and check out this podcast. It's on all of your podcatchers, anything that you would listen to. And that is called First Year in Sales with Ray Ian.